pray that you would do your healing work that you alone can do our lives. Remind us that we are dust, but as has been said, beloved dust. And you grow us up in your word this morning. In his name we pray. In Christ. Well, good morning, everyone, and good morning online. Uh, if you'd like to take your Bible, would you please open to Hebrews chapter uh, 10, please. Hebrews chapter 10, and I want to read a verse to get us started here. Verse 36. For you have need of endurance, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So far in uh, Hebrews, there's been a pattern that's been pretty consistent. Um, the author is encouraging people to continue strong in their faith in the face of some persecution, some rising struggle and pushback and hardness, and it's tough. And um, so far, he's really done two things. Um, he's he's um, primarily focused on why, why it's important to continue in two ways. Uh, one, he's talked about Jesus himself. Jesus is better. Why would you turn your back on Jesus? He's, he's the full expression of God in human flesh. He's the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. He's the one who is better than. He's better than Moses. He's better than the angels. He's better than the priesthood. He brings a better covenant. He's just better in every way. Why would we ever think of backing away, ducking and covering, whatever? Right? That's why we should stay strong in our faith. And then the other why uh, is shown up several times in these uh, hard passages. Last week was a really hard passage. I suggested, and I still think that's true, it's probably the harshest passage in all of the epistles, right? Harshest, harshest passage in the letters, and it's this strong warning saying, do not abandon Jesus. If you're, if you're on the road, Go all in with him, don't walk away, because that is absolutely devastating. It will bring dire and, and irreversible consequences that you don't want. And in the process, there's all this incredible theology, all this fresh understanding, all of this um, processing of, of the Hebrew Bible that helps us in so many ways. But he's really mostly been focused on the question of why, why we should stay faithful, which is wonderful, but when things are hard, it's also nice to have a little bit of how. How am I supposed to do that? Can you give me a strategy? Can you give me some help, some pointers, something that I can uh, do that will help? Some way that I can align myself. It's obviously important to remember how valuable Jesus is. That's central. It's obviously important to remember the consequence. But is there anything more? And this morning we're going to get to uh, a little section of how. Here's, here's a strategy to use as you seek to be faithful over the long haul. Here's, here's a way to approach it that will be fruitful, that God will use and really strengthen you with. 
And as we, as we dive into this passage, I think it's important for us to um, kind of expand our understanding a little bit about the, the idea of persecution because that's what's in mind with the audience in Hebrews. And we often don't think of our lives in terms of persecution, certainly not like they experienced. For the most part, we haven't experienced that, and by God's grace, perhaps we never will. But we need to remember that Scripture is very clear. There's more than going on just on this horizontal plane. Right? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's a, there's a spiritual battle that's going on that is pitched and that is intentional and that is, that is pointed. And there is a sense in which everyone who follows Jesus is being resisted. That is a form of persecution. There's an attack that comes, and it may not look like what they were probably facing, but we experience it a number of ways. Sometimes we experience pushback because we're seeking to faithfully follow Jesus, faithfully live out what it is we think he's called us to, and not everyone likes that. Uh, we, get, we get pushback, we get resistance, we get sometimes ridicule, sometimes we suffer consequences, right? Sometimes choosing the path that we want means we can't, or choosing the path that God wants means that we can't choose the path that somebody else might want. And that can be really painful, that can be really hard. Sometimes the hard things come in the form of uh, disappointment. And I don't mean just like, oh, man, I'm disappointed. But I mean those deep, heart-breaking disappointments. Those areas where there's like this deep pain that wells up because it wasn't supposed to be this way. It wasn't supposed to turn out this way. I, w- I wasn't supposed to experience this or I wasn't supposed to miss out on that. And it's, it's this deep painful disappointment, and it arises specifically out of me seeking to be faithful to follow Jesus. Not that I got it perfectly. None of us gets it perfectly, but I've, I've been faithful, and now this is where this path has led me, and, and it hurts, it's hard. There's this disappointment I have to deal with. Sometimes it's just weariness, right? I just, I've been doing this, and I've been doing this, and I've been doing this, and, and, and why am I still battling with this? Or why do I still have to climb this hill? Or I, I look forward and I go, I, I see what you want. I'm, I'm pretty clear on what you want me to do, and I, I just don't know if I have it in me. I'm just tired. I'm worn out. I, 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 don't, I don't have the enthusiasm, the energy, and there's that kind of weariness. And sometimes it's fear. Um, fear can come from Situation in a relationship, situation in a bank account, a doctor's diagnosis. There's all, all, different, there's all different doorways through which fear comes flooding in and, and sometimes those doorways are there because we're seeking to follow Jesus. We are seeking to be faithful and the path that we are on because of that is resulting in pushback, it's resulting in disappointment, it's resulting in weariness, it's resulting in things that frighten or even terrify us. I think the strategy that he gives them for dealing with their situation is actually one that works well for us. And it's one that I uh, myself have found intuitively helpful and I didn't even realize, I, I knew it was consistent with scripture but I didn't even realize it was a direct teaching of scripture until I was working on this passage and suddenly, oh, that's what that's saying. 
right? A pattern that's helped me in times, for instance, when the pushback from following Jesus was severe and I just felt like I was being ground down and by God's grace, I kind of leaned into what he's gonna tell us here and it helped so much. God used that so powerfully. Or at times when I felt like, oh, Lord, do I have to do this again? This is hard. This is a lot of work. I, can I be excused? Can it be somebody else's turn? And intuitively, I have kind of leaned into what he's offering here, and it's been really, really fruitful. So I have, I have seen its effect in my own life. And here it is. Here's the strategy. It's a simple strategy. Um, I'm not suggesting it's the only thing that we do, but I think it's key, and it's what he's going to talk about here, and, and it's this. Listen to a sermon. There's the strategy to get through hard things. Listen to a sermon. Not the one I'm preaching now. Not any of the ones I preach. I hope those are helpful, but that's not what I'm talking about. Not anyone you can listen to online. It's a sermon that you preach. Listen to a sermon that you preach to yourself. And the text for that sermon is your life. Fundamental. Fundamental for anyone who's followed Jesus for any period of time is staying rooted in our testimony, which is a testimony of how God has worked. And being able to look back and say, wow, I see what God did here, 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 and that, is, that gives me strength and that gives me encouragement for what's coming now. That's a fundamental reality and that's actually what he encourages these people to do. So if you wanna follow along, let's just pick up the, the flow of the text. He's given that strong warning that we unpacked last week. <clears throat> and then he starts out this week, verse 32, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partner with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. We'll stop there for the moment. Right, he's, he's, he's encouraged them, preach a sermon to yourself, the text is your life. You've done this before. You've seen hard things, and you've experienced victory in them. Don't forget that. It was so worth it. You knew it was worth it. That hasn't changed. Don't forget that. Stir up your memory. Recall. It's not just something that is, is, is just laying around that's constantly on your mind. There are times and places where I have to dig into my heart, into my past, and say, hold on a minute. I'm really struggling right now. I'm really discouraged right now. I'm really weary right now. I'm really uh, beaten down right now. Fill in the blank. I'm really scared right now. When have I had this before? And how has that gone? 
If you're a genuine follower of Jesus who's been doing this for any period of time, I guarantee you that there will be repeated and brightly punctuated periods of your life where you can say that was God and that was amazing. And usually those periods come in a season of crisis and difficulty. Those are often the easiest place to see it. And he's saying, look at that. Don't forget that. You're heading into some tough waters. This is gonna be difficult. Recall where you've been, right? Preach your story to yourself. Remember what you've come through. Remember what you've come through. You've been down this road before. Recall the former days. You endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to reproach. Sometimes you were standing with those who did. You did this. You did it before, you can do it now. It was worth it. It was worth it then, has that changed? Is, is the kingdom of God less beautiful? Is Jesus less wonderful? Is God less amazing? Is heaven less glorious? Is meaning and significance and power in my life less fruitful? Is the Holy Spirit less meaningful? No. All of the things that have come with the journey that God has called you to, you knew those were worth it. That hasn't changed. Remember that. Right? You experienced all of these things since, verse 34, you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Something that you begin to experience now and that lasts on into eternity. Something different. Therefore, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. You have need of endurance so that you'll receive what was promised. Right? This is so precious. It was so worth it. That hasn't changed. Remind yourself of that. And don't throw away what you've worked so long and hard for. And now this is actually just good advice for life. We know how this works at a human dynamic. This is called a locker room speech, right? Halftime, whatever the sport, well, except baseball, they don't have halftime. It's in the dugout, you have to do it bit at a time. But if you're playing football or you're playing basketball, there's a halftime and however it's going, the coach calls you together and he says, hey guys, Listen up, we've been working hard, and if it's gone well, we just need to keep going well. If it's gone poorly, we need to correct that, but let's not throw it away. We've worked hard to get here. Let's work all the way to the end. Don't back away from, you know, that's a, that's a locker room speech, and it works because it's intuitively obvious. There are things that we pour ourselves into that we sometimes in a moment of difficulty want to back away from, and if we'd get a little perspective, we'd say, wait a minute, I've worked half my life for this. Am I gonna so lightly walk away from it? Only this goes up a lot from there because it's not just the human dynamics. This is about what God has been doing in my life and what he promises to come. And he's saying, don't throw that away. Don't give up just because it's gotten hard. The, the, remind yourself of how precious this is and stay with it. One of the saddest stories I ever heard was a man named Ettore who was in the hospital with his wife. She was in a bed in a coma and he was just sitting vigil and this was in January of 2005 in Padua, Italy. He just lost hope, became discouraged and he went home 
and he sealed up his garage and he started his car and he sat there waiting to fall asleep and never wake up because he'd been sitting vigil for four months. In the fall, she'd had a heart attack. She'd gone into a coma every day by her bedside, by her bedside, by her bedside, by her bedside, by her bedside. He invested so much because he loved her so much. He couldn't picture life without her. And finally, he couldn't do it anymore. And he gave up and he went home and he took his life. And less than 24 hours later, she woke up. And her first words were, where's Ettore? What a tragedy. What, a, what, a, what an heart-wrenching story to think, oh, if you'd only continued, if you'd only just stayed with it a little bit longer. That's at a human dynamic level. This is something that is from God himself saying, You've done this. Remember how you've been through these things. Remember the things you suffered and the victory that you had. Remember that you knew it was worth it. It's still worth it. Don't throw it away. Right? This, is not, this is not just anchoring me with a key truth. It's giving me something to use as a strategy, fuel for continued faithfulness by looking backwards and anchoring myself in that story, preaching my story to myself. I can do this. I don't want to, but I can. And it's worth it. And I'm not gonna throw it away. I'm not gonna walk away from it. That's it's a sad thing when people do that. As I was praying through and processing this, um, this sermon, I, I thought of a number of Christian examples, some positive, some negative. One of my favorite positive ones one of the apostolic fathers, a guy named Polycarp. Apostolic fathers were the first generation post the New Testament. Polycarp was actually discipled by the Apostle John. He became a key leader in the church in Smyrna, which is modern day Izmir, Turkey. Very important man in the history of the church. Faithfully followed Jesus through the ups and downs as the persecution heated up when he was quite old. Uh, he was either 86 years old or had been walking with Jesus 86 years, which would make him even older, and it's one of those um, ambiguous things, but it's a long time, and he's quite old. The order goes out for his life. They bring him in. The um, Roman official is looking at this elderly man, and he's like, please, don't make me do this. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. He doesn't quite say it that way. That wouldn't be very official, right? But that's essentially what he's doing. Please don't make me do this. All you have to do is burn a little incense to the statue of the emperor. You can go on your way. We'll all be fine. You're an old man. Don't make me do this. I'm not going to do it. I will throw you to the wild animals. Bring them. I will burn you at the stake. Fine. And then Polycarp says what was anchoring him. He says, six and 80 years have I served him. How can, and he's never once done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my God and Savior? Right, he was anchored in. I have this whole story, this whole history of faithfulness where I have seen God work, seen God work, seen God work, seen God work. He has been worth it. He has never failed me. I am not gonna give up now though it may cost me a lot. And it did, it cost him his life. I have friends that I was thinking about, it was sad. Friend who just walked away from the Lord, completely apostatized. 
I, I don't know if he was ever actually a believer or not. I thought he was. He sure seemed like it, and maybe God will turn him around, but just walked away. A pastor friend of mine, same thing. Like, destroyed his life, destroyed his family, destroyed his men, destroyed everything. It's been all these years, and I don't know why. I do not know why he did that. But he did. Or another friend I was thinking of who didn't walk away from the faith, but it, it threw him for a loop. Things got hard, and he ran. He ran. And I think he's still recovering. He had such a dynamic impact and such a dynamic relationship with God. And he didn't abandon God, but he ran from the hard thing and it threw him for a loop. And I think he's still recovering. We don't like hard. And, and, and when things get hard, it's easy for us to run. It's easy for us to give up. I think that is a major contributing factor to why there's so many divorces. It got too hard. I quit. I think that's a major contributing factor why most pastors don't stay more than about four years at a church. It got too hard, so I quit. I think that's a major contributing factor of why so many people are moving away from the state of California. It got too hard, so I quit. Now understand, I am not throwing shade. There are noble reasons for pastors to leave churches. There are absolutely appropriate reasons to get a fresh start someplace else. And there are even times when a marriage has been utterly destroyed that there may be not an option. Those are extreme, but people have all different kinds of experiences. I just am watching, and I think you can see that too, and I could probably go through a number of other categories where we can see, it's intuitively obvious, things get hard, and we don't like it, and we run. What do we miss out on? What do we, what do we damage when we do that? Well, when we're talking about something ultimate like following Jesus, the stakes are as high as it can possibly be, and he's saying, you can do this. Recall what you've been through. Tell your own story. Remember how you got here. Tell your story to yourself so that you'll see, yes, I did it before, I can do it again. Yes, it was worth it then, nothing's changed. No, I will not throw it all away, though it's hard. That's what he's telling them to do. He's telling them to stir up their memories and let that be fuel for their faithfulness. You know, in my own journey, I have found, um, I, I told you, I've, I've done this fair amount in hard times without even realizing that it was directly, explicitly taught, which I think it is here. It just seems consistent. Well, of course, you remind yourself of things God's done, but it's like, no, this is actually, this is actually a God-ordained strategy. And there have been times I've even found myself praying or saying to God without even realizing it, like I think the Holy Spirit is drawing this out of me and expressing a prayer, and then I wake up and catch myself praying that and go, yeah, that's what I mean, saying, God, you know, I've been faithful, and I'm not giving up now. Something facing me, something hard, something that I don't want to do. God, I've been faithful. I'm not giving up now. By that, I don't mean I've been perfect. By that, I don't mean I've been faultless. I don't mean that even remotely. And I don't think that's what he means. You've got to have it all together. And if you look back and you've got this unbroken, unblemished record of 
glorious victories, then you can take comfort in that. He's not saying that. He's speaking to real people who have real lives with real challenges and real struggles and real failures. And he's saying, you've experienced the work of God. Look at it and let that fuel you moving forward. He's also not saying be glib about the struggle. Right? There's, an, there's an emotional component to my life that I have to be real with. There's doubt, there's struggle, there's hurt. But there's a difference between emotional doubt that I'm processing and a rebellion that's walking away from God. And it's for people who just, who struggle to say, look, even looking back at my checkered life, God has brought me thus far. He will continue. And that's really strengthened by the second thing that he says, right? It starts by saying, remember what you've come through and that takes us up through verse 36, and then verse 37 and 8 are the, uh, the Hebrew Bible verses that anchor his argument. Uh, verse 36, let's pick up the flow. You have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. In other words, he's coming back, and there's going to be an accounting. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. You continue in faith, because if you shrink back, I have no pleasure in you. But then verse 39, read this carefully. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The real anchor to his argument is remember who you really are. Remember who you really are. You're the real deal. You're actually a child of God. The Holy Spirit is actually within you. You've been regenerated. He's active and working. You're united with Christ. You are secure in him. The Father is emphatically for you. He's given his son. All of these realities are you. And you know that. Right, and, and in fact, in, in Hebrews, he's given us multiple opportunities to be able to sift and say, is that really me? Because that's, that's the warning passages, maybe that's not you. And if that's the case, if, you don't, if you're not clear that, that you actually have that relationship with God, go back to last week, look at it and say, oh, what do I need to do? How do I need to respond? Right, but if, if you've passed the test and you are a child of God, he's saying you are secure, you will make it because you are his your faith will endure, and through that faith, God will bring you to where you need to be. And as I remind myself of that, not just here's my experiences, here's the flowing narrative of my life, but here's the defining anchor point of my life, I belong to Jesus, then all of the components of my story, which are really God's story, are flooded with an understanding of the power and the presence of God. That's what keeps it from being a locker room speech. That's what keeps it from being just try harder. That's what anchors it. It's not like I can do anything. It's that God has done everything and he's shown it to me in very practical, real-time ways. And I'm looking back on that saying, he was faithful then, he's not gonna stop being faithful now. I'm his, I'm anchored by faith. And by the way, everything that he's been telling me in Hebrews about him then starts feeding into my story. Let me just read you some of the verses that are really helpful. If you're facing something hard, something challenging, something discouraging, and you remember, I'm, I belong to Christ. I'm his. 
Here's what it says, the very first message. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Question, are you part of the universe? Are you part of the created order? Because the one who is the exact representation of God himself is upholding the entire universe by the word of his power, which means you, me. He's upholding me. I'm his. Or the end of the book, there's a benediction. We'll get there in a little while. Chapter 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's upholding me by the word of his power. He will equip me with everything that I need, and he is working in me. That's what I have promised. Or this one that we looked at a number of weeks ago. Hebrews chapter four. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The throne room of heaven is open to me. I, as a child of God, coming through Jesus, can walk right in boldly. And it's a throne of grace. It is, you don't deserve it, I just choose to pour it out on you. Here's the good that I have for you, I'm just gonna pour it out. And we obtain mercy. I am moved by your problem, by your challenge, by your stress, by your fear, by the pushback you're experiencing by the disappointment you have. I'm moved by those things that it is to be a very small human in a very big and broken world. I'm moved by that and I'm going to act on your behalf. We walk into the throne room of God in confidence and he meets us with mercy and grace because our story is his story and we are his and we are anchored and whatever's before us may not be exciting but we can do it. We've seen him work before. He's not gonna stop now where he is. He talks about our faith. We're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls He's gonna launch into a big section on faith starting next week. All these stories of faith and how God used faith. And it's not so much the faith of the person, it's the object of the faith, God himself is faithful, and our faith is what allows us to hang in there, right? And he talks about all these different people, and then he wraps up that section, actually in the beginning of chapter 12, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all these people who have testified to the fact that you can do it, God will carry you through, keep trusting. Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so close to us and let us run with endurance the race set for us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He's our example and he's set the course and he goes with us.
right? This passage, he said, don't give up on Jesus. Why would you ever think of that? That's crazy talk. And by the way, the cost of that's really high. But he doesn't just leave them there saying, so there's the truth. Deal with it. He said, you know, I know this is hard. Let me tell you one thing that would be really helpful. Stir up your memory. Preach your story to yourself. And if you preach it rightly, it's God's story. You will see where he's worked and where he's worked and where he's worked. You'll see where he's worked and you've been faithful. You'll see where he's worked and you've struggled. You'll see how he has accomplished what he needed to accomplish. He's not gonna stop. He's not gonna abandon you. You will remember, you knew it was worth it then. It hasn't changed. It's still worth it now. Why would you throw it away? And you will remember, I belong to him. That's the defining reality. I'm his. He will accomplish what he laid out to accomplish. I don't know what you have going on in your life right now. I just know life. Some of us, I am convinced, are um, kind of teetering at an inflection point. We need to make some decisions. And I think what he's saying is don't walk away. You can do this. If the decision that you need to make is the hard one, make it. You can do it. If you've been a follower of Jesus for any period of time, you can look backwards and you can see this. Now you may be new to the faith and go, I only have a little bit. Well, you can still see how God's worked already. That's just gonna multiply so much moving forward. And remember, you belong to him and he's faithful. Take the step that you need to take. If you're struggling because it's hard and there's disappointment, God is incorrigibly sovereign. He hasn't given us a menu that we tick off and say, I'd like this, I'd like this, I'd like this, I'd like this, please bring that to me. He says, here's, here's my plan and I'm inviting you into it. There's no way to live that life without disappointment. Disappointment authored by the hand of God. And then we live in a broken world. We're surrounded by broken people, filled with our sin and filled with their sin. So then that just makes it a million times worse. And there's disappointment and there's pain and there's struggle and there's difficulty. And it would be nice if we didn't have to walk that journey, but we do. The question is, where are we walking? And he's saying, stir up your memory of what God has done and keep walking the direction you're going if that's towards him. And if it's away, then turn around, go back. Don't keep going the direction you're going. Are you weary? He can sustain you. Are you frightened? It's okay to be scared. It's a lot of scary things. It's what happens next. God meets me in the fear and transforms that. Keep going. Right, that's what he's telling us. They, they were facing persecution like we would expect. You and me, maybe more subtle, but it's there. There's going to be pushback and challenge of following Jesus. Don't throw away what you have because he's got you. I've been reading a um, devotional put out by Voice of the Martyrs because these are people that actually have experienced acute um, suffering and 
um, persecution like we would normally expect. And, and one of the stories really struck me. I won't read you his whole testimony, just a couple of words from it. I'll tell you a little bit of his story. His name is Iman, and he lives in Iran. Let that sink in. He lives in Iran. He's a new follower of Jesus a few years ago. Through some miraculous circumstances, he came to faith in Christ, and then he decided he was going to take God seriously and just live for Jesus, and in fact, view every person that he met, every single person that he met as somebody God brought into his life to hear the gospel. So over the first four years of his Christian life, he prayed with more than 1,000 people in Iran to accept Jesus as their savior. We think it's hard here. (laughs) Wow. Now, there is no way whatsoever to do something like that in a country like Iran without inviting all kinds of challenges. And he experienced those jailed multiple times. One time he was in solitary confinement for 21 days. They tried to break him. Didn't work. In fact, he kind of won over his guards. So eventually they released him and they put him into another cell. And they wound up putting him into the cell that was filled with death row inmates. And then they realized, oh, we shouldn't put him in there. But he said, no, I'll stay here. Because he viewed it as an opportunity from God. And so now he's in this cell with all these death row inmates. And It's like Lord of the Flies. Everything on the front side of the bars, the guards are in control of. Everything that happens on the other side of the bars is just chaos. There's these gangs that run the prison and he's in there with the worst of them and he's trusting God and he's afraid and there's all these things that we go through that he went through and yet God worked, God met him, God delivered him. He wound up being a leader in the the group. Right? They all loved him. They were all looking out for him. Don't mess with this guy. And then Iman had the freedom to tell people about Jesus. Now, he had to do it kind of secretly because there's all these cameras around. He didn't want to get in trouble with the guards and mess everything up. So he'd meet with people under the bed or around the corner, wherever he could. And he's in there for five days, leading person after person to Christ. And then they say, ah, it's finally worked its way through the system. By this time, the system is favoring him. And, and they say, you can go now, you just need to post bail. And he waits three more days. He could get out three days earlier, but ministry's too good. In fact, he describes it as the sweetest time in his life when he's on death row in Iran, right? I don't know what caused that, but that was pretty amazing. So he waits another three days and finally decides, I better leave now because they're getting suspicious, like why won't he leave the prison? But in those days, those eight days that he's with the population there, he led 24 people to Christ. Right? There's all these things that are happening. Now that's his story, that's not mine, that's not yours, but here's what's part of his story that is mine and yours, if we can grab hold of it. As he's talking to the, the leader from Voice of the Martyrs, he says, the day I was out of jail, I continued my ministry. Till my last breath, I owe Jesus. Whatever I have done, it was the Holy Spirit in me. I know who I was. I was so weak before, so all the glory goes to Jesus. I am nothing. Jesus is everything. Without Jesus, I am the same sinful, addicted person that I was before. Do you see what he's done? He's anchored himself in his story. He's preaching his story to himself. There's a sermon of my life, and the text is my life. But it's not about me. Ultimately, he gets it. It's like, this is what God has done. This is where God's grace has been evidenced. This is what 
where I've experienced him. It hasn't been smooth, it hasn't been easy, but it's been an extraordinary working of God and that's what I'm counting on. That's why I'm gonna continue doing what I'm doing and I'm gonna keep leaning into what he's called me to do, though it's hard. Because he's with me. Pushback comes. What do I do with it? Weariness sometimes. What do I do with that? Disappointment, extreme disappointment, heartache. What do I do with that? I'm afraid. The diagnosis wasn't good. The relationship's not going well. The financial situation is coming apart. It's not happening as it's supposed to happen. What do I do with that? God doesn't promise to make that all comfortable, but he does say, look back, look back, and see where I've been, because I'm not going anywhere. I'm going forward with you. You're mine. Lord, I just pray that that reality would sink into us. I don't know where each of us is, but you do. Lord, we long for sunny days and easy laughter. And you give that too. Life's not all grim. There's so much joy. There's so much beauty. There's so much goodness. And we're grateful for that. But we also know there's no pass. Hard things come. Hard things are part of our life. And we want to step into them in the power of your spirit with a settledness, a confidence that you're with us. You've been with us and you will be with us. It was worth it then, it's worth it now. We're not gonna throw it all away. We're not gonna walk away. We're yours. Lord, would you strengthen us with that? And as we walk into whatever you have for us next, would your spirit use that truth to anchor us? Father, as we take this offering, it's an opportunity for ministry. It funds missions, it funds the church, it funds things that have at least the potential to change lives. Would you use these gifts to that end? Would you change lives? Would you bring glory to your son? We pray in his name, amen. We're gonna sing a song in response to that that hopefully gives, gives hope to you as you seek to face tomorrow. This is a, a new song for Infidel, but some of you probably know already it's called.